Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. This is the ESG Retail Visionary podcast series about visionary ideas and people. My name is Oliver Chen. I'm Cowan's new platforms, retail and luxury analyst. In this episode, we'll delve into the topic of sustainability and apparel, changing consumer tastes towards climate-friendly shopping and innovations in the apparel manufacturing space. I'm thrilled today to be hosting Martin van der Zee. He's Chief Merchandising and Sourcing Officer at CNA. Martin van der Zee has worked with CNA for over 15 years, serving various roles, including head of ladies, head of marketing, and most recently promoted to Chief Merchandising and Sourcing Officer for CNA Europe. What is CNA? CNA is a leading multinational fashion retail clothing store with 1,400 stores in Europe, that offers trending apparel for women's, men's, and kids. Earlier this year of note, CNA announced the opening of its factory for innovation in order to study and improve sustainability in apparel manufacturing. I believe Martin's really uniquely positioned as he's a chief merchant as well as in charge of sourcing, and he's also very passionate about what sustainability means. So Martin, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, uh, Oliver. Nice. uh, And thanks for the invite. Um, To start, when did you start getting interested in sustainability and fashion and what does it mean to you? Well, I actually started roughly uh, 12 years ago. Uh, At that time, uh, CNA Europe was starting uh, with biocotton. And uh, it was fascinating to understand, first of all, uh, how do you... um, come across with uh, biocotton, what is the crop like, uh, and how can you do it in a better way. Um, until that moment, you really didn't think about those things. And you start then realizing, oh, yeah, uh, biocotton is better than, uh, than just normal cotton. No? Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, especially since uh, I'm also now six years in the job, uh, when I took over sourcing, and you're visiting all those factories all the time, uh, yeah, it, it realizes you there is good and there is bad. And, and that every time you travel to, to the factories, it's very clear to me that this cannot continue like that. Uh, big companies like us, we have our responsibility. We need to step up and, and change that industry. Martin, what is biocotton? And what do you believe are three things the industry should focus on that they're currently not? Well, biocotton is basically you make sure that uh, there are no pesticides uh, going in the earth. and. Uh, and you also help, by the way, the farmer itself. So uh, I was happy to visit those farmers myself in India and really talk to the farmers. And uh, unfortunately, the, 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 the life of a farmer uh, is not is, is tough, it's is rough, and it's not a lot of people that are helping them. But really true that um, social environment of helping them and they have their own land. there is no actually pesticides on and they don't need to spend a lot of money on it. Uh, so they can just aggregate it themselves. Uh, they have better income. Uh, and and, and uh, there's a good community. So that's really fascinating to see and to speak to those people. Truly, they're saying that. Now, what is actually coming to your question, Oliver, concerning the, the industry? Um, I think, uh, first of all, we need to be better at forecasting uh, and demand forecasting and actually get uh, away from ongoing promotions and markdowns. 
that is rotten in the industry. Uh, I find it very strange that you buy and already you want to mark it down. That, that, that's not sustainable. At the same time, you have to really think about uh, innovation and how do you close the loop? Because at the end, you don't want to use natural resources, but you really have to think how can you reuse your resources once more. Uh, also, the transparency and traceability is a big topic, which uh, the, well, basically all retailers still face this one. How can you break through? And in order to do so, it is also clear that you have to work together um, and, and not just uh, everybody cannot just start their own blockchain. That's also not possible. So how can we make work closer together? So real, co real co collaboration. And in that sense, if you talk about real collaboration, also that would help if governments also support this. Um, and that's not always easy. What can you share? What can't you share? And at the end, if you want to truly break through, it is important uh, that uh, it's, it's a really working together game. Uh, and I would say even worldwide. Martin, what's your vision for traceability and, and what's your advice and point of view on, on what kind of collaboration might be most practical and might make the most sense? Well, I, I would say that would be very helpful um, if you start with governments, if, uh, for example, um, America government together with the EU would already start working together to say, okay, how can we change that industry? Second, um, big companies across the world uh, should then align up um, and, and really start looking and taking this serious and saying, can we use one platform? Can we use one technology? Once you have that, then basically it's plug and play and, and it's not so difficult to break through. And that's what I would recommend to do. Mm -hmm. The other thing you mentioned, Martin, was transparency. Um, we believe this is a huge topic for Generation Z and Generation A. Can you elaborate on um, what does transparency mean to CNA and what should the industry think about? Well, it is uh, transparency for me is, is that you really understand the whole supply chain end to end. That you do know um, where actually you're, not only where you produce, but also uh, where are your um, washing facilities, where is your yarn coming from, where are your components coming from. So really having complete uh, visibility across uh, your whole supply chain. Now, if you start, um, if you just look at your supply chain and, and, and you say, oh my God, how should I do that? Uh, it is mission impossible. True, it is complex. But I give you one, one example. A couple of years ago, we said, okay, how do we do this on, on, a, on a yarn? We have uh, appointed two suppliers for all our yarns in viscose. And basically, uh, we have now complete visibility on the viscose, on the plants, where it comes from, et cetera. So it is really like a horizontal looking at your supply chain, nominating and making sure um, everybody is using this. And therefore, uh, hence, um, you can really break through on those topics. Mm. Martin, what's also interesting about you, um, you're both the chief merchant and your chief sourcing officer. How do those two roles intersect? Um, what have been your learnings there? and implications uh, for fu the future and strategy? Well, I would say the, 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 the interesting part is that uh, sustainability sourcing and uh, merchant all comes together. Um, and uh, the, the beauty of this, or the good thing is that uh, there is not any more KPIs in the vertical silo, but you really look across horizontal. And I've seen too many uh, in the past perhaps uh, that uh, yeah, sourcing get KPIs on, 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 and, and then you do the same thing for, for sustainability, but it actually uh, sometimes works against. Um, and it's not really helping to break through holistically 
of how can you know, now set up a supply chain in a complete different way um, and also designing to recycle. So, so this is just not a topic which uh, actually one silo can actually break two. It's really a world of how now to work together. And of course, I love great product and we're all in the fashion industry. We, we love our products and we're very emotionally attached to that. We just also want to have a conscious to say where is it produced and actually you want to do something good for the environment. So it's really making that holistic view. How can we now break two on those three elements and, and not actually looking too much in the one pillar? And, and then actually, uh, at least for me, not so complex to break two on those topics. You slice it, you say, okay, next 12 months, we're going to focus on A, and then afterwards we have B, so you have a real plan, and, and then you can solve issues, uh, any issues for me, uh, depending what you wanted to break two on. Martin, that's really interesting, designing to recycle as well, and making that an integrated part of strategy and thinking. What does that mean? Um, what will you do here and, and what do consumers want? Yeah, I think uh, a, what, what we do here is really that uh, if you start designing, that you have already the second life of the article in your mind. And the second life of an article for me is not, it lands somewhere in a tile or somewhere in a construction building because it's based. That for me is, is yes, of course, it's also good for the environment, but it's not actually helping the industry to uh, not actually start over and over again um, to plant new trees or actually or to new crop of cotton. No, we want to reuse this, the cotton many times. That's why we really ask, and, and we are in the progress of how do you now design an article that you can recycle and you can use basically your raw material a second time or a third time. And um, that's for me really truly uh, holistically how we should do things mm -hmm. going forward. What do you think about the consumer as you think about um, your customer? What do customers care about the most and how much are they willing to pay or not um, for sustainability? Yeah, I think our, our customer, uh, our generally customers, uh, they are of course, uh, uh, it's important that um, they really want to know how is it produced? Is it ethically produced? Um, it's interesting for them very much. But at the same time, um, if you look at it from a sustainability perspective, uh, is this now um, going to, um, on the land or, or not? Uh, it's actually difficult. So um, from that cycle, I think there needs to be a behavior change also in the consumer. And we as a company, we need to, need to make it easy for the consumer. So don't come with very difficult messages, which is very difficult to understand make actually um, sustainability, sustainability claims easy, understandable and digestible. Uh, and then I think uh, there is more interest of sustainability because people get, uh, and then you get exciting because you see uh, you can do something good for, for, this in for the industry and also for the world and the planet. And that's actually still uh, with the, um, for the time being perhaps missing that the consumers are not really understanding it getting one part of it, but misinterpreting those calls. Martin, what about investors and others listening to this? What should be measured? What are your thoughts on uh, what measurement may need to take place over time? Yeah, I think first and foremost, uh, it is, uh, if you invest in something good in people and planet, it, it is for everybody, it's a good feel factor. Next to that, I think it's important that you uh, measure uh, on the progression, but also on the contribution. So is this now really contributing to improve um, basically your sustainability? 
and that can have many areas. Right? So you can start looking at science-based targets, but you can also look at your, 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 your materials uh, and you, you, you're making sure that there is a horizontal uh, one way how you look to, to that. So it's really about standardization because otherwise it's very difficult for investors. Yeah, but this company A does it that way and the other company does it, yeah, I'm now better than you. And then you have that firefight and, and that's actually still happening in the industry because it's not all aligned. Once you have that, I think um, investors, I think it's very interesting because you can clear give targets on 10-year targets, five-year targets, three-year targets. And uh, there's also positive cases of, uh, of, of earning money back. So the net return is, is actually positive on the majority of the cases. Mm -hmm. There is an upfront investment needed sometimes where yeah. you're saying in the one, two, in the first couple of years, well, not really beneficial, but then actually it comes back later as a positive. Martin, what about pollution? Another topic. Um, apparel is a top polluting industry globally. Um, what should we do here and, and what will happen and what can happen? Well, I, I think, uh, yeah, it's always a discussion how bad is the industry. Of course, it is perhaps not that it's in the top three, I would say, on, on pollution. And uh, yeah, we can do a lot on that one. Um, so I think, uh, and, and that's also what I see as, as my function, how can we make sure that uh, the fashion industry is seen positive from an environmental perspective? And how are we going to do this all together? Uh, and that's actually a big call for all people listening to here today. Um, it's like, we need help. We need to, to share. We need to use open source in order to break through that, that you have a good conscience of buying uh, fashion. And that's actually, um, uh, whether it's now on materials, uh, secondhand, um, recycling, uh, perhaps bringing the supply chain uh, more closer where actually the customer is. So also from that one, you have less uh, uh, carbon footprints, but also this for me, um, explaining to your suppliers that basically they can do a lot for the, for the, for the world and actually saving money by that. And that's again, what, what I come back from the investment perspective. Science-based targets is like, oh my God, this costs the fortunes. It's true. But if you think about the cashback and, 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 and how, how, how easy it is in those countries with a, with a little bit of money and, and looking at to photo, photo, um, um, solar energy, uh, which is anyhow, a lot of countries have a lot of sun, you know, solar energy, wind energy, and, and uh, biomass. There is uh, X number of factors, and we have done tests uh, already now, uh, and pilots uh, that we're saying, um, yeah, once the supplier sees, fantastic, great. Uh, I, I have an investment here, but I get a return there, and I can actually have a competitive advantage. Then um, a lot of a lot of retailers want to produce in that factory, so they, they themselves see that yeah, I should I should do it now and not actually in three four years. It is I could be leading in this industry, and that's why everybody wants to produce in my factory, and that's also um, I would say where we have to help the industry. Uh, to understand and, and, and see the, the, that investment is not always negative. It has a huge advantage um, going forward for those factories. Martin, what do you mean by open source? And um, what is your message to the industry in terms of collaborating with factories? Why doesn't this happen sooner? I think naturally um, open source means for me, uh, we don't have anything to hide. I think open sources, you can look today on, on the website, you know exactly where we produce. Uh, it is all known. 
in the past, you would not even share that supplier with anybody. Oh, ooh, I found a new supplier. It's great. It's my handwriting. Let's stick it to me. Today, um, yeah, you can know everything. You can know the fabric, the mills, uh, the washing facilities. Um, so I would say that's for me uh, very clear. But also, how can you now break through on those size-based targets? And, and why, why should I now not share this information with my colleagues? And perhaps my colleagues doing the same thing. And I'm sitting there and saying, wow, that's a great idea. I didn't think about it. So let's copy that and, and do it also in my. So, and the more you have that um, environment where you can just speak openly and, and discuss about the difficult topics, I'm sure there are so many clever people in the, across the world that you can build on each other and you break through much faster than actually dealing with all those critical, difficult issues on your own. Yeah, yeah, in terms of crowdsourcing and working collaboratively to rethink the supply chain. Okay, over the summer, CNA announced the opening of your factory for innovation on textiles. Um, what are you doing at CNA and what are the goals for this program? Yeah, first of all, it's a totally exciting uh, story um, when uh, we said uh, we're going back and produce in, in uh, Europe. Um, so for us, it was very important um, that we also start here again with a holistic view. The future is on the one side about digitalization and the other side, it's sustainability. That's also, by the way, from an investment perspective, what you see in the stock market where people jumping on them. Now, um, for us, it was interesting to see if we want to have a factory, it needs to be state of the art on both sides. So we start with the 4.0 industri industrialization where uh, you have machine learnery uh, and the machines can talk to each other and improve efficiencies. On, this, on, the, outside, on the flip side, we're also using, of course, uh, all sustainable material. And we said uh, all material needs to come from Europe. So that we also have from a carbon, carbon footprint perspective, uh, actually the least, but also strengthening your, your own economy again. Um, and that was also, I think, how we looked at it. What is all possible uh, across uh, Europe? Now, um, then we say once we start here, it's a, it's a continuous improvement because you have now um, that, uh, uh, that factory up and running. We can then install uh, robotics. And we also see that uh, by collaborating with um, uh, universities, they can do a lot, which we basically don't know. And I give you one of the examples. Um, we are carbon free in that factory. Yeah, and we have a whole, a, a whole plan how we deal with electricity, but also with um, yeah, how you measure this and, and how you do all of those things. Yeah, we did not have an expert ourselves, but the university actually had a lot of professor and helped us on, on to break through on this one. Same with robotics. I mean, yeah, you're not an expert on robotics and, and uh, yeah, are you not hiring all the, the experts on that side? Also not wise. So we had another university specialized in robotics helping us. Uh, what is actually wise? How could you start? How can you connect the dots? And uh, yeah, and now we are working with a lot of uh, companies to say, well, okay, what can we install in that factory? How can we learn from it? Uh, and how can we improve efficiencies at the end? Uh, either from, from an automation perspective or as from a sustainability perspective. And uh, once uh, we are, um, yeah, not once, we are doing then regular uh, information sessions also to invite suppliers across the world that they can see this because it has huge advantages if um, what we know other people are also doing because then you're truly changing the world. So that's, one, that's what I also meant a bit with open source uh, before. 
Uh, it's not just a secret what we're doing here. Uh, we want to share. And also, again, here, we have a lot of clever people with, which came up with fantastic ideas, which we also didn't think about. And that's why collaboration, again, is critical um, uh, also in the, in, the, in the particular factory. Now, one last comment. If you don't, pre don't produce yourself, you always tell other people what to do, but you truly never do it yourself. It is difficult. Imagine you tell people how to drive, but you never drove a car yourself. It is not easy. And that's why we also said, if we start again a factory, you know that certain things are not working. You know all the difficulties in the factory. And, and that's actually first putting you a bit on the humble side again, but B also you, you break through much faster and you have that whole idea of, I start, I learn, I accelerate versus I do this in the theory. Uh, no, I, I have a real, in front of uh, 40 minutes from the office here, I have a factory, I produce and I learn every day. And I make mistakes every day, but I learn in that way much faster than anybody else. And that's actually also why we have done it. Yeah, and you can share and this these findings with other people. So Martin, uh, last question, what are the most uh, recent or innovations in the apparel manufacturing space that you're most excited about? in terms of reducing waste? And if you have any closing remarks or comments. Yeah, I think uh, on, on, on that side, um, it is uh, important what I've seen from, from innovation that uh, there is a lot of now money in the last two, three, three years across the world, investments going in this industry. Uh, and that's also new in this industry. Don't forget uh, the industry uh, was typically um, always with low budgets. You could open a factory very fast. It's, it's not rocket science. And basically you produce there and you have a workforce. And in a nutshell, that is actually what, what people have done over the years. And then you move from, from country to country or you, you move where you see efficiencies gains. Now, what you see in the last couple of years that um, there is a lot of automation happening on, on, on just uh, machinery. Um, second thing, what you also see that people are now breaking through on, on recycling. How can we really do this? Um, and there's many examples of, of, of recycled cotton across the world. Um, um, and really uh, making sure that this is now a priority where the look and feel is still guaranteed. Because let's face it, um, nobody wants a bad product. Sustainable products should be great and fantastic. And, th and that's actually what I see currently happening. Um, uh, also, I must say on, on the whole science-based targets, how you actually, um, once you start a factory new, I do see immediately that there's a lot of good factories now being built and constructed, uh, where all those things are already in place from day one and not uh, an old factory where basically, uh, yeah, you have certain parts are new, other parts are really old, but holistically you never can break, break through in those, in those factories. So there's a lot of willingness from, from, uh, from the factory manufacturing side to invest and that's also where I would say, as a call out also, where the retailers have to change the, the mindset uh, and all of us uh, together, that we want long-term partnerships. You don't want to hop every month to a new uh, supplier. You really want to work truly together in order to break through on those targets. And then you see that the, the willingness to invest is much higher because they also need to prepare. They also want, of course, uh, to forecast that actually um, in the next 12 and 18 or, or two, three years, they're basically uh, that factory is still filled. Huh? So that's what I actually see uh, a lot happening uh, across the world. 
Martin, thanks for your unique view. Uh, congratulations on the progress. And I'm really excited for uh, what you're doing for the industry and also all the ideas around collaboration to, to help uh, make the world better um, and how this can intersect with the future of retail. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks a lot, Oliver. And uh, thanks for the interview. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.